Hello and welcome to the Thunder Buddies podcast. I am your host, Michael Martin, and I am joined by my Thunder Buddy, Joe Masato. Joe, what's going on on this fine Tuesday morning? Well, we've got another Shea Gilgis Alexander game winner to talk about. Michael, his uh, this this guy's creating quite a knack for these. His fourth game winner overall, thud, third buzzer beating game winner, and um, yeah, just a really fun game last night. Just incredible from Shea. He starts out the game two for ten. The first half was just ice cold, and then scores twelve in the fourth and twelve in the third to really take it home but just another superstar level of performance from him he was incredible down the stretch but um you mentioned the game winning shots um I saw this stat Shea Gilgis Alexander has hit five shots to tie or take the lead in the final seconds of the game this season it's the most since 2012-2013 he's only needed 28 games to do it before that it was DeMar DeRozan in 2017-2018 he needed 80 games to do the same and Kyrie Irving in 2012-2013, he needed 59. Yeah, I mean, I asked Shea last night about just his reputation as a clutch player because I think we're seeing it in Oklahoma City, but I don't know. I mean, obviously, Shea's getting more national attention this year, but I don't know if people realize just how good he's been in these clutch situations. Like, even that Milwaukee game, that would have been a game winner. Um, you look back to the... Um, it was the uh, was it the Charlotte game last year uh, when Devonte Graham made like that half. Oh, the half court. was that New Orleans? Oh yeah, he was on the Pelicans. Still, he made that like crazy half court shot, and like that that could have been a a Shea game winner. So he's you know his clutch time scoring speaks for itself. And you mentioned the slow start, and yet he finishes ten of twenty four um, after that slow start, thirty five points. And I, I thought it was like a really cool stage for him to do it on because it was a historic night as Damian Lillard becomes the Trailblazers all-time leading scorer. Damian Lillard, a guy, you know, known for his clutch time moments, known for Dame time, one of the clutchest players we've ever seen. Um, and he ties the game up with a few seconds left and then Shea um, hits his own clutch shot. So really cool to see those guys dueling back and forth. That is exactly what you want to see. I mean, the Thunder trailed a little bit in the first quarter from about 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 by ten, but the rest of the way it was just back and forth, punch for punch between these two teams. Yeah, and I I, I thought that, you know, the, the end of the first quarter, the Thunder go on a twelve to four run, and I loved that lineup. They they put Shea out there with surrounded by shooters, Mike Mascala, Isaiah Joe, Lindy Waters, Kenrich Williams, and you look at. Joe, um, Kenrich, and Mascala, those three guys combined to go 9 of 15 from three. And, like, besides Shea obviously hitting the loud game winner at the end, the Thunder's bench outscored Portland's bench 42 to 26. And the bench scoring, even on the night when the Thunder was kind of depleted, you know, no Josh Giddy, no Jeremiah Robinson Earl, Darius Baisley. I mean, they're missing some, you know, Trey Mann was sent down to the G League, Jay Will. Um, but the bench really stepped up, you know, on a night when only, I think, 10 guys were available. Yeah, it looks like right here from the bench, it was um, 10 of 14 from three just between Kenrich, Mascala, and Isaiah Joe. So a lot of punch off the bench there. But you're talking about the bomber lineup that Mark uh, referenced, which is just Shea and three-point shooters all around. But that's been pretty effective this season. 
Yeah. I mean, super, super effective and for good reason. Like, I like how Mescal was just in like catch and shoot mode, ready to, you know, ready to just make defenses pay when everyone's crowding uh, SGA. And yeah, I, I really like those, uh, really like those lineups. Um, speaking of lineups, you know, it wasn't, it, it's not like he had a standout game, but it's just one of the craziest notes of the season. Aaron Wiggins started. The Thunder six and zero when Aaron Wiggins starts, um, and uh, yeah, that's a- another weird stat. The Thunder's five and zero when Josh Giddy is not playing. So we've got some random notes. I'm not putting any stock into either of those. I want to tell everyone that, but I like fun random notes, and that is uh, that's one of those. It's definitely worth noting and noticing, but like you said, it's too early and it's not something I'd really be stressing about if I was a Thunder fan looking at either side of it's like oh we're 6-0 with Wiggins starting why isn't he starting every game or we're 5-0 with Josh not playing like why is this happening still super early just enjoy the win but just a, a heck of a game from both Dame and Shea Dame it looked like he was kind of stalling there for a little bit trying to get that those last points and he finally gets to the free throw line but just an epic night from him. He was hitting from all over the floor, especially from three. Uh, but another guy who th- I thought played great was uh, Kenrich Williams. Kenrich, aside from Shea, who who stole it at the end, was was the player of the game, I thought. I mean, this guy just brings such energy and such a swagger to this group, and you kind of forget about it until he's out for a while. He missed six games with that knee sprain. This was just his second game back. You know, he's he's setting the tone defensively, picking Dame Lillard up full court just to sort of, um, like I said, set that tone. And then offensively was super efficient, 5 of 7. He had 12 points, 2 of 3 from 3. Um, I, I really liked how Mark Zagnalt kept him in at the end of the game with um, Lou Dor and Kenrich both on the floor to defend Simons and Lillard. Made the Thunder a really potent defensive group. And he's... He's just like the ultimate glue guy. He's the role player who has said he wants to retire in Oklahoma City, and he like plays that way. Um, and it's just really valuable for the Thunder and for these young guys to have an example like that to look up to. He's just such a stabilizer, and it's almost like he's the babysitter of some of those young second units, the way <laughs> he's just constantly just holding everybody accountable and getting everybody on the same page. But great game from Kenrich. He had the... Um, Best plus minus on the team last night with a plus 18 and Isaiah Joe with a plus 17. Another thing that stood out to me was just the the sneaky athleticism of J-Dub Jalen Williams. He's not somebody who's jumping out of the gym, but he jumps so quick that he's getting a lot of those dunks. Yeah, after the game, I don't know if you saw, uh, but he retweeted a dunk from his younger brother, Cody, who's a five-star commit going to Colorado, a, a bigger time prospect than J-Dub was. And Cody can really throw it down, but Jalen is uh, throwing it down as well. Yeah, he's got, I mean, just going back to the draft process, very underrated athleticism, and it's it's showing up now. He had 13.7 rebounds, four assists. Um, you know, not, a, not, not like a standout game, but really a good bounce back game after going 0 of 8 the other night. And then speaking of some other young players who played well, we're going to the Portland side. What did you think of Anthony Simons? I love Anthony Simons. He's like, he's just like the ultimate heat check guy. And he's like become more than that this season. He's, he's really broken out. 
but five of 10 from three. And down the stretch there, he made some clutch shots with a hand in his face falling away. It didn't really matter. Um, it It's a fun backcourt. I mean, Simon's, yeah, five, five of 10 from three. Lillard, six of 12 from three. But um, Simon's is, uh, it, this is an unfair comparison because Simon's has emerged as um, not a star, but a really, really good young player. But it's kind of like Trey Mann's ceiling, like what what he could eventually be, just like the creation ability, the separation that they get with their shot, being a little undersized, but just being a knockdown shooter. And Simons has really emerged. No, he was awesome last night. There were definitely a bunch of possessions. I mean, he defended Shea well down the stretch. Shea talked about it, that um, he got Mm -hmm. him a couple times, and he finally, Shea got him back on that game winner. And then very limited sample size, but... What was it like to see Shaden Sharp in person and not on a high school mixtape uh, highlight footage? I'm kind of kicking myself because, like, I saw Shaden Sharp out there, but I didn't pay enough attention to Shaden Sharp. And he just, you know, didn't really pop in this one. Only played 11 minutes, uh, six points, three rebounds. I, I wish I could have, like, paid more attention to him, locking in on him because he, he's been really good this season. Um, but. Maybe you can provide better insight. Did you see anything that stood out from Shane Sharp? I mean, like you said, only 11 minutes, but just some nuclear athleticism from him. He's just a freak with that. And just some stuff where Isaiah Joe's guarding him on the perimeter, and it's just one jab step, and he's gone. It's just like unbelievable athleticism. He's still so young. I don't blame anybody for uh, who liked him out of the draft process. Obviously, it was kind of sketchy because you only saw, you know, the – Peach Jam highlights and EYBL, but really good player, really exciting going forward. Um, hopefully we'll see him a little bit more on Wednesday night, but solid game overall. And then Jeremy Grant had a blood on his mind and in his eyes as he was going against the Thunder, it looked like starting out early. He wasn't super efficient, but he was very effective last night, at least is what I thought. He, he was terrific, and he really used his length and athleticism to sort of overpower, um, you know, a Thunder team that that lacks a lot of length, and and I thought you could feel that. Um, you noted it very early on last night, but um, the the Trailblazers started Jeremy Grant on Shea Gilgis Alexander. I, I I would think that's one of the biggest defenders that has started on Shea, sort of trying to um, match length for length there. I mean, Jeremy Grant um, even taller than than Shea, so I, I thought. You know, maybe that was partly responsible for some of Shea's early struggles. I, I'm curious to see if other teams go that way. Um, but you look at Portland's lineup, like you don't want Lillard on him. You don't want Simons on him. The only other option would have been Josh Hart. Um, but yeah, Jeremy Grant was good. Also, we, we were on the topic of young players with Shane Sharp. Keon Johnson went 3 of 11. I was not a Keon Johnson guy coming out of the draft a couple of years ago. It just seemed like all athleticism and like very little skill. Um, and I know he didn't have great numbers last night, but he he had some pretty two pretty clutch threes and was a little more refined than I expected. So, um, you know, sh- shout out to Keon Johnson. Shout out to Keon Johnson. Shout out to uh, Justice Winslow. Did you see when he got flattened by Eugene on one of those screens? <laughs> Yeah, and then he was sent sprawling uh, by SGA on the game winner. So uh, not the best night for Justice Winslow. Tough look for Justice Winslow. And then you mentioned on the game winner, I just wanted to go through the last stretch of plays because it was just so crazy before we move on to the next thing. But 
Starts out with an offensive foul on Lou Dort, who looked like he hit a shot to take the lead. A mishandled inbounds pass by the Blazers right after that, where they inbound it. It's supposed to go to Dame, but Simons is in the way. Simons tips it. It goes out of bounds. The Thunder have it. Shea gets the inbounds, and then immediately there's a block charge call that goes to review. Doesn't get overturned. Shea gets both free throws. Portland comes down. Dame has the ball. Runs to into his own teammate and Josh Hart. Turns the ball over. J-Dub gets a steal. Is fouled. Goes one of two from the line. Timeout Portland. They come out. Dame hits that big layup with a really good contest by the Thunder defense. And then finally, Shea with ice in his veins comes down and hits that game winner on the left side on a, a fallaway jumper. Very nice job. Um, putting together a concise rundown of a very jumbled finish. And there were so many plays that stuck out. I mean, J-Dub going one of two from the free throw line, that was huge because rather than forcing Portland to make a three to tie, they only needed a two. And the first thing that was going through my mind was Lillard's going to win this with a three. It's going to be like the most poetic ending to um, the night when he you know, passes Clyde Drexler on the scoring list. Um, but he settles for the two and um, I kind of compared it to it's like it's like Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes going against each other in like a two minute drill. It's like he left the other guy too much time and, and Shea was left with too much time and, and made Portland pay. It just came down to whoever had the ball last and I'm sure if there was one more possession somehow Dame was going to make it happen but <laughs> luckily Shea took off just enough time. He gets it with three seconds left and hits that fallaway jumper as the Thunder win 123 to 121 should be interesting going forward into Wednesday's matchup. Yeah, for, for sure. Um, and you, you talked to, you went to uh, Portland's press conference after the game, talked to Damian Lillard who mentioned like his goals moving forward. And uh, I think he said he doesn't want to lose Wednesday. He was like, get this win Wednesday um, in Oklahoma city. But you also asked him about Shea, and I, just just share with us what you heard. Yeah, I uh, went in there, and I wanted to ask Dame because there's been a lot of talk in the last few years about, you know, hashtag free Dame. Uh, Dame should ask for a trade out of Portland and this and that and get him out of there. And I asked him, you know, I don't know how that relates to Shea because there's been a lot of the same external pressure, not from within the Thunder or the Thunder fan base, that would be internal, but external pressure of like, more national media outlets and Twitter and things saying hashtag free Shea. Shea should want to get out of this rebuild. Shea f- should force a trade. And I just wanted to ask Dame, you know, what would be your advice as one of the loyal guys in the league to a guy like Shea and what he should do and how he should handle the situation? And here's the sound right here. I mean, people have said it to me, and I, in my career, I've won a lot of games. You know, the, what I haven't done is won a championship, but we've won, you know, since I've been here every year. We've won a lot of games. And um, you know, my advice would be he's in a situation where he's playing free. You know, they believe in him. Uh, he's got a, a group of guys that understands that, uh, you know, he's the leader. He's the guy. And um, in the position he's in, his career is, is in a great position. You know, he's off to a, a great start and um, he's coming into his own with that. And, you know, I would say the grass is, is not always greener on the other side. You never know what it's going to look like or, um you know, how the next team might view you, you know, especially when you've had some injuries like he's had, you just don't know. Um, and also, the, I would tell him that a lot of these people that are saying free him and all of these things or whatever, they not they are not the people that's going to have to live with the consequences if it doesn't work out. And they're not going to have to ever walk in his shoes. So 
it's very easy for people to say those types of things when they also know that they won't ever be held responsible or they won't ever be affected by it. So um, that would be my advice to them. Did you think when you first heard that? Yeah, I thought I thought the best thing he said was um, obviously you know grass isn't always greener, but then talking about how you know from afar on Twitter, whatever people can say all these things, but you don't have to live with those consequences. You don't know what those consequences are going to be. They're certainly not going to affect you. Um, and you know all the talk of like you know. Shea should ask out and you know what are the Thunder doing wasting a talent like this I would say that has gone from a reasonably loud thing to almost non-existent now I I mean that's what's good for Shea and the Thunder's like everyone can see how good this guy is and it would make no sense for the Thunder to entertain trading him and by all indications Shea is happy being the guy um, in Oklahoma City but Lillard is like you know, I don't want to say role model because like, you know, do, do whatever you want. But as far as like cementing yourself in one place and being, you know, that face of the franchise, like Lillard is the modern guy to look up to because, um, he hasn't teamed up with anyone else. He's beloved in Portland. Um, Barry wrote a really good, um, he had an entry in Scissor Tales about this and it was basically just like his legacy in Portland is going to mean as much, uh, you know, as, as getting a ring somewhere else, just, just, um, just what he's going to leave there. So I, I, I really enjoy hearing Dame Lillard talk is a good question and a really good response. I thought, yeah, he was very generous. I know that guys, especially after a tough loss like that, aren't usually open up to talk about things, but he was very honest and I thought gave really great perspective. I mean, if you're going to talk about an expert of uh, navigating situations like this, it's Damian Lillard, but you mentioned it. Grass is not always greener on the other side. I like that he mentioned the injuries because it is something that will come up. I don't, I'm not nervous about Shea long-term with the injuries, but it is a thing. And then after that as well, I like the, his perspective, like you said about the Twitter thing. It's very easy for people to tell these guys to uproot their lives and their families and move somewhere else, but it's a lot harder in reality when you're that person who has to go through all those things. Yeah, and um, Lillard, you know, 32 years old, six-time All-Star, six-time All-NBA. He's he's one of the top 75 players of all time, and he's he's been able to do it. Um, in, in Portland, and that's not me saying he's a top 75 player, although I think he is. That's the NBA putting him on the 75th anniversary team. So, um, yeah, just just good stuff there from Dame. For sure. And then um, speaking of Dame, with the record breakers, uh, he passes Clyde Drexler for the all-time leader in career points for the Trailblazers. I wanted to ask you if Shea could down the line become the Thunder's all-time leading scorer how long do you think it might take him if you had to guesstimate? Maybe it's his uh, 10th season with the Thunder, 14th, whatever it is. Do you think that Shea could reach this milestone, and how long do you think it could take if you know maybe he is able to do it? So I'm terrible at math, and you posed this question to me, and I was just like scribbling away this morning trying to figure this out. Um, I, I want to preface this by saying, uh, I, I don't want to be a damper here, but we, we've said it's more likely than not that any player, Shea included, finishes his career on a different team or doesn't spend, uh, you know, 
doesn't spend a Damian Lillard like career with one franchise. But putting that aside, um, and the unlikelihood that he passes Russell Westbrook because it's a huge number. Russell Westbrook, 18,859 points um, in his 11 seasons with the Thunder. Shea is in his fourth season with the Thunder. Um, he is 14,600 points away. Okay. So I said if he averages 30 points per game, which is asking a lot, but hey. He might do it, and 30 is a very nice uh, round number that I could calculate. Um, if he averages 30 points a game, by my math, he's 486 games away from breaking the record. Okay. If he plays 82 games a season, which isn't going to happen, but hey, it's fun to think about, he would need six more seasons. So that sounds somewhat reasonable. That means you're looking at like the 2028-2029 season. Um for Shea to potentially catch Russell Westbrook um, on the Thunder's all-time scoring list. I laugh because it does sound a little silly um, to think about, but hey, if, if Shea spends the rest of his... Uh, th- this, is, this is not a hot take. If Shea spends the rest of his career in Oklahoma City, I'm fairly confident he's going to pass Russell Westbrook uh, on the all-time scoring list. But again, it's a huge number, almost 19,000 points. Westbrook had... You know, he was a scoring champion. He had incredible longevity, um, even despite some injuries. So, baking all of that in, yes, Shea could do it. Would I bet on it? No. Yeah. I mean, the thing that people forget about Russ is for very early in his career, until he had that first MCL injury, he was an Iron Man. He didn't miss games going back to high school. I mean, he was playing every night. But then again, I'd say on Shea's side, he has the advantage when it comes to efficiency. That So, that might help him out. But... I did a little bit different of a math equation, so I had twenty. <laughs> okay. I, I'm not a, we're not math majors here, so someone can figure this out and tell us we're both wrong. But I had him if he goes for 26 points per game, which is you know that's pretty reasonable. In, in his four years in Oklahoma City, he's averaged 19, 23.7, 24.5, and 31.5 this season. Overall, that's 23.3 points per game in his under 10 years. So I had him at 26 per game, and if he does that say, in 65 games per year, that would take him around nine seasons to do, which would be his 14th season in the NBA, 13th with Oklahoma City, which will get him to the Thunder's all-time leading score in 2031, which I'm sure we will revisit, Joe. Okay, so this is good. This is good. I'm, I'm glad we went about this different ways. I had a very, very aggressive projection I think you had a conservative projection. 65 games is probably fair, um, but 26 points, I I think he's going to be over that. I mean, he's averaging 31.3 this year. Um, I I think a reasonable projection is somewhere in between us. Um, So you you said nine seasons? It would be nine seasons from now, so the 2031 season, which sounds like a fake year, but... Okay, and I, I said he could do it in six, but that would be like playing every game. So I think it's more likely we're looking at seven and a half to the eight season range. Mm-hmm. But it would be interesting. We will revisit this. I'll set it in a time capsule to um, one of us will have the advantage. I'm sure everyone will be on pins and needles for the next uh, six to seven years of seeing who was correct. Yeah, if the NBA is still around, if we're still around, it would be fun to revisit it. And then speaking of uh, other Thunder records, I also wanted to ask you, 
just because that one's pretty far off if we're talking about that many years in the future. So what is a Thunder record that you think could be broken sometime soon? It could be a season, a single season record, single game record, or a career record. I I sort of struggled with this because you you would think okay the the we're, we're only counting I want to want to clear this up we're only counting Thunder history right so from 2008 to 2009 um, not counting Supersonics history and you might think okay like there's some numbers that are attainable because the Thunder's only been around um, for. 14 seasons whatever it is I'm again the the whole math thing always comes back to bite me but they've also had legendary players two in particular in Kevin Durant um, and Russell Westbrook so so some of the volume stats are just like really hard to see broken anywhere soon Um, this one would also be hard but um, I, I thought about block shots and Serge Ibaka was you know, one of the best shot blockers in the NBA when he was with the Thunder, he had he had thirteen hundred blocks, um, a, ni- a nice nice number there, thirteen hundred in his seven seasons in Oklahoma City. Second on that list is Kevin Durant with five sixty four. So Serge is just slapping the field. But I thought about Chet Holmgren, and if he you know becomes that second star or the one B option, um, Touche. And he's, you know, just what he, what we think he can be defensively. That's one I sort of circled as far as like, you know, Chet Holmgren could be a guy that that leads this, um, that that breaks the all-time blocks record. And I know he hasn't played in a game yet. It's counting on him returning to full health. But that's one I circled. It's not crazy. I mean, I can see that just in the small sample size we saw with him at Gonzaga and then at the summer league and in Vegas. He was blocking shots all over the place. Of course, that's not the traditional NBA still, but Chet Holmgren is going to be a premier shot blocker in the NBA, I I believe at least. I went a different direction. I went on the scoring end of it. So Kevin Durant currently owns the franchise record for most points per game in a season during his MVP season in 2013-2014. He averaged 32 points per game. I think that Shea at some point could do that. I mean, he... Obviously, is averaging close. To, he's averaging thirty right now, thirty-one and a half. So he's close to that. He has the most thirty-point games in the league currently. So I think that's in the cards in the next few years. Shake it over, uh, average over thirty-two. Don't you think this year could be his best chance, yeah, so though? I, be I mean, because, because you think about Chet, he's going to take some of those points away. Um, they're going guys like Jay Delbert going to continue to get better. Um, I mean, I'm not like I'm not saying it's not going to happen, but I, I feel like this we could look back and this might be Shea's best scoring season, um, just because of the team around him and just how incredibly efficient he he's been scoring thirty one point three again. But but that's a good one. Um the other one I looked at by the way, forty point games, most forty point games in Thunder history. This is a it's kind of a crazy number. As I'm uh, trying to pull it up. Okay. Ke- Kevin Durant, 45 40 point games. 45. That doesn't even seem like a real number. Uh, Russell Westbrook had 42. Shea Gilgis Alexander is at three. So that's not one I think is going to go down anytime soon. Um, free throws made, however, just because Shea is getting to the line so often, that that is one I would look at. 
um, free throw percentage. KD is way up there, and Shea had those first three years when he was only shooting, you know, only, I say, but 81%. So I don't think that's going to go down. But you look at free throws made, Russell Westbrook, 46.85. Kevin Durant right behind him at 45.99. That's one I would keep my eye on with Shea, who is already fourth, by the way, in franchise history and free throws made. Um, third is Steven Adams. Not not a good free throw shooter, but got to the line. Um, Three-point field goals attempted. Lou Dort is fifth on the all-time list. Um, I think he's fourth, actually. Yeah, he passed he passed James Harden, so he's only behind Russell Westbrook, Kevin Durant, and Paul George. Just with the way the game is going now, like you're going to see three-point attempts being broken consistently across the league. Yeah, those are some good calls like there, uh, right there. I like it. But going back to your point about Shea, I don't disagree this might be his best chance this season because as we go forward and the team improves, he's not going to be needed to play as many minutes because there's going to be more help in the backside of the rotation and on the roster. So this year is a lot of opportunity uh, meets the right time and the right place and all that for Shea where this could be the best season for him because – a lot of those years in the future, hopefully the team won't need him to score 35 points per game to win games. Yeah, and that's not the system the Thunder and Mark Tignall really wants to play. Like, this isn't Dallas where it's the Luka show. It's the Shea show right now, Um, but with the talent they're building around him, I don't think it's, you know, going to be that way. You're not going to see, like, a Harden-Houston situation. Now, if it was... Like, it's not out of the question to see him score 33, 34 points a game. Um, Just, you know, even if he's not efficient, just on sheer volume alone. But he just just hasn't really played like that. He hasn't been a guy that um, sacrifices efficiency for volume. Um, And and I think, like, I brought up the 40-point games. He's had three all at 42 points, but he's so consistently in the 30s because, like, he doesn't, like – he doesn't push for, you know, more points just to, you know, at the expense of getting more shots up, everything like that. So um, just an unbelievable player. He's he's going to have his record on, you know, some things that we haven't even talked about. But um, it's so funny looking at the Thunder record book, and it's like Westbrook and Durant, number one and everything, number two and everything, and then number three, it's like, thousands of you know counting stats gap between the next guy absolutely and then the last thing to touch on here you know he's not he's doing it without the three ball too john ham had this stat on twitter but shea is third in the nba in scoring while attempting only three three point shots per game the fewest of any player in the top 10 for reference joel Embiid and Giannis are taking more threes per game than shea right now yeah i saw that um I have mixed feelings on this because it's hard to argue with whatever with what he's doing right now offensively, but like there's still if there's room for evolution in his game, it is the three point shot and being more willing to take those because I mean let's see right now he's he's shooting thirty four and a half percent from three that that's not great but it's good enough to you know take four or five threes a game which I think is where ideally he would be. Yeah, and I think in the future you'll see more of those shots coming as guys like Chet and Josh get back in the rotation because you'll have more opportunities for Shea to play off the ball. But especially in a game like last night, you're going to want Shea to have the ball in his hands about as much as possible. Mm-hmm. 
And then the last thing before we get out of here, you did a great story on Isaiah Joe. I know you were really looking forward to Joe time. What was that like talking to Isaiah Joe? It was good to get some Joe time. Um, I felt good about the timing of this as well because he was three of six from three last night. Had like a transition pull up three that was really sweet. Um, I just, I, I, I'm not sure if I mentioned it before, but I'll, just going through the story um, and, and go go check it out on Oklahoma.com. Don't want to spoil it all here, but just I, I find guys like him interesting in the fact that. You know, he was a guy that was the Arkansas Gatorade Player of the Year his his senior year, led his team to a state championship. And to make it to the NBA, he realized that he couldn't be that guy who did everything. He had to find his role. And he found that role at Arkansas, playing next to a dominant big man in Daniel Gafford. Gafford shot 66% from the field, averaged like 17 points per game in the one season when they were teammates. And in that season, Isaiah Joe shot 41% from three, had like eight three-point attempts per game. Um, the college game is so cramped, so all the attention was on Gafford. Isaiah Joe was like, if they're going to leave me open from three, I'm going to shoot threes. And that has been his calling card in the NBA. Um, before yesterday's game, he was fifth in three-point percentage in the NBA. And, you know, just just a guy who has become a legitimate part of this rotation. I don't know what his future is in Oklahoma city. Um, but if you're looking at like ideal compliments next to drive heavy guards, like Shay and Josh Giddy, um, Isaiah Joe certainly fits in on this roster and like, um, could be a very important piece. Great recognition by Isaiah Joe though, about the NBA skill set that you just need to have one calling card because that's what a lot of guys how you can just survive in the league Lou Dort gets into the NBA because he has an NBA skill as a defender Josh Giddey's NBA mm -hmm. skill is he's a great passer there's a ton of guys like that where they don't make it in the league even though they're solid players because they're skilled in a bunch of things but they're a master of nothing but Isaiah Joe you can already see what his NBA skill is he's an elite three-point shooter like you mentioned He's fifth in the NBA in percentage right now. I know that you talked to him in the story about how much he'd love to be in the three-point contest. Yeah, I'm all for it. I'm all for it. I mean, Shea is almost certainly going to be in Salt Lake City for the All-Star game. Um, they're going to have a couple of guys in, in the Rising Stars game or whatever we call that these days. And so you might as well put you might as well put Isaiah Joe in the three-point contest. I... I uh, I don't know. He's got a very repeatable shot. Seems to to be all about that competition. And another favorite part of my uh, of that story and hearing Isaiah Joe is like we've talked about like you know Ch Chip England is like the the shooting master, right? Like he's got like the Midas touch. But Isaiah Joe's shooting coach in his career has been his dad, who was not even a good basketball player, but like knows his son's shot and like gives him confidence and helps him. So I thought that was pretty cool. Um, just, um, that, that Derek Joe, his dad played such an influence in um, kind of refining and perfecting Isaiah's shot. Yeah. Some great stuff in there about his family. Like you said, his dad was his shooting coach. And then just on the other end of something I noticed because you mentioned that in the story that Isaiah Joe was signed to a three-year, $6 million contract before the season after he was cut by the 76ers. I'd love to ask him this, but what were his other options? Because you'd imagine a young shooter with that much potential had options why he chose Oklahoma City. 
Yeah, I think one of the big factors was Vince Rosman, who used to be in the 76ers front office, um, actually joined the Thunder's front office in the offseason. So, and Isaiah mentioned how, you know, Vince had played some part in, in like really wanting to bring him to Oklahoma City. So I think there was a relationship factor there. I think the other thing is like, I know that 76ers fans, like 76ers Twitter, loved Isaiah Joe. Um, but it's not like he, you know, was a huge part of that team or, or put up eye popping numbers where it's like, oh my gosh, I can't believe this guy is available. It is harder to believe given how much shooting is prioritized. But like last, last season in Philadelphia, he shot 33% from three. Um, the season before that, as a rookie, only played 41 games, shot 37% from three. Um, but, you know, attempted two, 2.6 threes per game, 2.5 threes per game. Now he's up to 3.7, um, getting more playing time now. So I, I think, like, you know, the Thunder sort of really, you know, believed in him and his shot, even if the numbers didn't quite back it up. And maybe that's something other teams didn't really see. Yeah, I mean, he's in a great spot right now, especially on those 76ers teams. There's a big-time roster crunch with them, and they're trying to win big games. If you have Joel Embiid and James Harden, even Ben Simmons going back the year before, you don't have time to develop a lot of these younger guys and wait for Isaiah Joe because you're trying to win right now. Whereas with the Thunder, you have a lot more of that leeway, but it's still impressive to see a guy like that come in Signed during training camp. I remember it was like he was cut, the Woj tweet, and then like right after he was signed, like immediately. But he's Mm -hmm. inserted himself into the rotation on another team with a bit of a roster crunch where you, I mean, we were talking about it earlier this season about where do the minutes come for all these guys, but he's just carved out a role for himself and made himself somebody that Mark is just forced to play because he's been so effective. Yeah, the the you bring up a great point. The 76ers have no time to experiment, to find out, you know, who who can play. They're trying to win basketball games right now. The Thunder's trying to win, but they're also trying to develop and look to see who can be on this roster down the road. That's how you uncover a guy like Isaiah Joe. That's how you uncover a guy like Kenrich Williams, who no one knew he was going to be this. He was a throw-in in the Steven Adams trade with, with the Pelicans, like with Zylan Cheatham and Josh Gray. And it's like two of those guys were cut. They ended up keeping Kenrich Williams and, you know, he becomes a, a really important piece to this team. You don't really, you know, it, it would be hard for a good team to really find out what Aaron Wiggins could be as a 55th pick. And, you know, a, a young guy, he's probably not getting a lot of minutes if he's on a good team right now, but he's gotten a lot of playing time now with the Thunder and, and they've figured him out. So that's what that's what this whole thing is about, is like shuffling through the roster Um, having these sporadic rotations just to see who can play. Yeah, it's hard. I mean, it's not easy to win in this league. The Thunder, as a team, are learning how to win. But you see this even with elite teams like the Warriors, who won the championship last year. They're coming in this year, and they're trying to integrate their younger guys like Moses Moody, Jonathan Kaminga, James Wiseman, and it's just too fast for them. It's not their fault, Mm -hmm. but it's just those guys are ready to play elite playoff and finals-level basketball, and it's just almost impossible for these young guys to catch up that way yeah and and meanwhile the thunder is using the the few vets it has on its roster the very very few to be those like connective pieces like the mescalas like the kenrich williams just to make sure 
you know, these young guys can stay afloat and, and find their footing a little bit. So I think they found a good balance overall. For sure. But before we get out of here, Joe, what else are you working on? I know that you always have something in the pipeline that people can look forward to other than obviously they need to read the rest of this Isaiah Joe piece. Yeah, I, uh, I'm i hoping to get some time with J-Dub um, just about, you know, the the maturity that he has as a rookie, how efficient he's been able to be and, and maybe what the, what the next step is. I mean, Mark Dagnalt even said, you know, we'd be willing for him to sacrifice a little bit of that efficiency to, to get up more shots and, you know, be even more aggressive offensively. So I want to talk to him about that. And, um, you know, that that's coming up. We'll have, you know, this long homestand marches on, so we'll have a lot of game coverage. So, yeah, just look out for everything. That'll be super interesting. Maybe you'll even make it on J-Dub's YouTube channel. I know he's been plug- plugging that a lot. I know, man. He's like a, he's like a competitor now. It's like he's he's taking eyeballs away from from the stuff we're doing, and, and they're on his YouTube channel. But I, I will be watching. Um, I'm interested to see how that sort of develops. But I think J-Dub right now wins – He's got to be like the most social media savvy, active player on the team right now. Yeah, I mean, after Josh kind of tailed off with his TikTok activity, it's been we've kind of been in the wilderness. But J Dub <laughs> is showing the way here of how to uh, compete on social media. I mean, he I see him on Twitter just replying just to random people about random stuff. But he's yeah, great. people have noted how he like. It, post things or likes things like during halftime and everything like that. And he talked about that on his first uh, episode. So Josh did have a good tweet last night after the game. He said, Shay, LOL, um, which is how a lot of people feel. I think. Exactly. I mean, I even have a screenshot on my phone of J-Dub one time where his face, where he's super excited and the title underneath it is Wendy's brought the spicy chicken nuggets back. That's it. He was just like, <laughs> It looked like he won a championship or something like that. He was so enthused about it, but just crazy things like that. Um, and then the last thing that we I'll say before we get out of here, great time at the uh, NBA at the Thunder Media uh, basketball game. Shout out to Brandon Rabar for setting that up. I'm still sore. Uh, Mark said they heard about it. He said that our offense was uh, potent. I'm not sure in what context he meant that, but a lot of fun. Hopefully you'll be able to make it out next time. It was a... Uh, it looked a little bit at times like that episode of The Office where they're playing basketball in the in the shipping like garage thing, but it was a good time. Mm-hmm. I, I'm sorry I couldn't make it out this time, but I've got to get to the bottom of this because there's there's conflicting stories out there. Um, may, maybe I just need to go out there to report from the game, but s- some people seem to think our, our good friend Daniel Bell um, from Black Sports Online was the MVP. Others... Um, I've mentioned you as the MVP, so, you know, feel free to pat yourself on the back if need be, but Michael, who is the best player on the court? I'll let my game speak for itself. Um, (laughs) I hadn't played like three weeks. I was not in great shape, but I got some shots to go. I lucked in a few ones, used my, uh, great basketball IQ and my locker room presence to really bring us to a win in one of those games. But, uh, yeah, I wouldn't look forward to any highlights of me. You're definitely going to want to watch the Thunder instead of us. But, yeah, we asked Steve McGeehee if he could get a live shot next time. But hopefully <laughs> we're going to get a, a game sometime around the All-Star break that you can come in and play or do whatever you need to. It would be a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to it, man. It should be a good time. 
All right. Well, thanks, Joe. Thank you all for listening. Make sure to rate and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Uh, Follow us at ThunderBudPod on Twitter, and we will be back on Friday. Bye.